I'm just so blessed to have a, uh, our brother stop by. I asked him last conference, I said, you know, when could we get you? And he said, well, actually, next conference, my plans for, I'm like, yes. Because he's been, uh, we were just discussing, uh, it's been almost 20 years that we've had, we've been friends. He's preached for me in Vilnius, I preached for him. And uh, we use fellowship in Holland all the time at the Bible conference. And I'm so glad he was able to bring his uh, wife, who has already been, uh, I've been already asked, is that his daughter or his wife? I just, truth is truth. So, <laughs> amen. Let's welcome Pastor Sergey as he comes this evening. Thank God. Thank you very much. Thank you. Praise God. Thank you so much for coming out on a short notice. I'm so happy to be here. Uh, so we're going to have a good time. And let's open our Bibles to Second Samuel chapter 12. Uh, and when I go back to Russia, I don't speak English, so you have to bear with me, uh, my Russian English. Uh, but uh, I am believing God that God's going to help. I was praying that He would give me a supernatural knowledge of English. That's that's my prayer, and God's been answering that for a number of years. So uh, just uh, a tremendous time. I'm so happy to be invited uh, by your pastor, Pastor Keith Sullivan. We go back 20 years uh, he was a very young man, and I was a baby. Uh, <laughs> uh, but uh, him and Carrie's been friends for hours, for many years. They were in Lithuania. As you know it, we were nearby, close by. I made a few trips there, and we, uh, we were preaching. He preached for us, uh, preached our marriage semina- seminars, especially powerful ones, saved uh, many, many couples so we're happy uh, and uh, to be here. My wife and I, thank you for your friendship and your hospitality. So Second uh, Samuel 12. You know, if you would go into Russia and go into St. Petersburg, there is a cemetery of many cemeteries. And there is an interesting tombstone there. Uh, the young officer portrayed on the tombstone uh, a full-body um, sc- sc- statue. He is portrayed asleep with his head on his hand, covering himself with a cloak. And uh, uh, this is a moment, uh, uh, a monument rather, to the 30-year-old major of the guards, uh, by the name of Karl Johann Gustav von Ressing, a German descent. According to the legend, uh, this man Karl fell asleep at his post during his duty at the winter palace of the kings of Tsars of Russia. The Tsar Nicholas I happened to be passing by. He saw the sleeping officer, came closer, and leaned over him. At that moment, young man woke up, saw the emperor's cold eyes piercing through his his head, had a heart attack, uh, and immediately dropped dead. He died because even the thought of not fulfilling his duty was unbearable. He died because he failed. He knew at that moment that he failed miserably. And he died because of the immediate shock of the guilt and failure. Basically, you could tell that guilt killed this young man. And I want to preach on uh, your guilt is removed this evening. And let's see how guilt works Second Samuel chapter 12, verse 13. So David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan said to David, the Lord also has put away your sin. You shall not die. 
However, because by this did, and you have given great occasion to the enemies of the Lord to blaspheme, the child also who is born to you shall surely die. Then Nathan departed to his house. See, we, he, we have here the story, we know it very well, I'm going to repeat the story, but King David utters words of repentance in my text. And the message of the prophet Nathan is twofold uh, uh, when he speaks it. First of all, he makes a statement of complete forgi- forgiveness of his sin. Then the other part of his message is the judgment of God on his newborn baby, uh, his newborn son, who will die as a consequence of what David did with Bathsheba. We know that David experienced guilt. We know that guilt that he experienced was very tough on his life. He speaks at least four psalms he, re- he writes as a result of overcoming this guilt and the results of sin in David's life. Psalm 32 and 33. Psalm 51 and Psalm 103 are written, many scholars believe, as a result of his guilt that he feels. In Psalm 32, he cries out of the, about the physical consequences that he's suffering. Verse 3 of Psalm 32, he says, When I kept silent, my bones grew old through my groaning all the day Long In verse 4 of the same psalm, he says, For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My vitality was turned into the drought of summer. In Psalm 51, again, he speaks of the spiritual and, uh, and emotional and uh, uh, mental consequences of guilt that he's suffering. His torment is real. You can feel it when you read it. He feels dirty. He feels, uh, he asks repeatedly to be washed uh, clean. He's asking God to cleanse him. He experiences the effect of sin on a physical level. In verse 8 of the, of, of chapter 51, he says that the bones you've broken may rejoice. He feels shame that God saw his sin. He experiences loneliness, oppression, the wildest devastation because he, uh, he didn't feel the closeness. Of the father and that kills him and torments him and he writes and confesses himself that he lost the joy of salvation and he writes and says in verse 12 that restore to me the joy of my salvation. Thus everyone who believes that that repentance is a simple repetition of a few generic words uttered Uh, at the altar is greatly mistaken. Many of us have prayed a sinner's prayer at the altar, and then months and sometimes even years later, reading the Word of God, we experience the realization of, of what God has done in our lives, how He delivered us, and what He delivered us from. There comes an understanding of the horror of the sinful life that we lived and the joy of salvation. Do you know what I'm talking about tonight? David experienced forgiveness. 
And we see this in our text. This is why he could calmly, so calmly, accept the death of his son and subsequent events that followed. Because he was freed from the need to feel the ultimate guilt and condemnation. It was so dramatic... Church, so unpredictable to his servants, his reaction, that they required explanation because he, they thought he, for sure he's gonna kill himself now. He is crying out, he's laying prostrate, he is not eating, he's not drinking, he is feeling this condemnation, and now that he knows that his son's dead, for sure he's gonna kill himself. But the Bible speaks that he actually stood up, required food, washed himself, and went before the Lord, and the servants required explanation. I I declare to you this evening that the reason why he he behaved in such a way is because he definitely experienced total forgiveness, and he knew that he is forgiven. That's the beauty of the gospel, is the power to remove guilt and condemnation forever. We know in 1 John 1, 9, it says we confess, if we confess our sin, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us, from all unrighteousness. I preached years ago in a a women's prison. And we did a concert there. And after that I preached. I used the story of John 8. uh, How uh, the harlot that was caught in adultery. That how Jesus told her that he does not condemn her any longer. And I spoke those words to the audience. They were about... 200 plus women there and uh, when I spoke those words that this is what Jesus wants to tell you uh, sitting here in this place I spoke those words to those hardened women because of sin in their lives because of the consequences who knows how many things unbearable things these uh, girls who suffered through and when I spoke those words That Jesus said to this woman, I condemn you no more. You should have seen. They started clapping. And I didn't ask for clapping. I didn't say, you need to clap and say amen. They're non-religious. They don't know anything about church. I had the best ovation I ever had in the ministry. Because those women saw the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That God removes condemnation and guilt and forgives and forgets and they felt it in that sermon and they started clapping see but there is another problem that we want to face we want to talk about this evening every preacher uh, every pastor knows about this if you've been saved for a while uh, you know you've probably faced this before because we get initial forgiveness of God and we do believe what I just said and we even sang this this, e- this evening but the reality and I pastor for 25 years the reality is such at least in Russia that people are uh, Christians for a number of years, but still suffering from the condemnation of the things that they've done in their past. Their mistakes and their failures, especially the ones that they committed after they became Christians. 
And this is so powerful and so true that it actually warps the joy or the Christian life from people. Moreover, some of us have had this sense of guilt imposed on us by parents, for example, who demanded the impossible and used guilt as a motivator. How many know that guilt is a horrible motivator? It does the job, but it warps personalities. And I, I pastor people that struggle with, with that sense of guilt and condemnation. I once knew a man I was trying to help in my church who was suffering from insecurity of all kinds of personality issues. And he, he felt like he got stuck in life. And when I spoke with this man, trying to uncover things, trying to help this man and minister to his life, it turns out his mom was very demanding. She was a perfectionist. He couldn't go home. He was telling me how he was riding the bus until uh, uh, the last route, afraid to come home because he received a B instead of an A. And uh, he, at the moment, uh, at that point, point when I was trying to help him, he was 50 years old and, ex- and uh, expectedly struggling from homosexual uh, behavior and demons of homosexuality. And he, he has not received any freedom uh, uh, up to this date. There is that guilt imposed. Some have experienced parents' divorce. In all the times, uh, we uh, uh, children accuse themselves uh, of the divorce of their parents. Uh, more, more, um, you know, hundred ninety-nine percent of the times, the kids uh, they feel that it's their responsibility and it's because of them that are you know your parents got divorced. If, if it wasn't for you. We wouldn't have never separated. I've heard, I've heard those phrases spoken into people's lives. Some heard words that they ruined their mother's career or the mother's health. Uh, and the kids hear those wor- uh, words. I, I once knew of a case where the mother informed her child that he had taken all of her health from her while she was pregnant with him while he was still in the womb. Some of us have heard words of accusation and condemnation in failed relationships, breaking up with a partner. That's why we are inclined to immediately judge ourselves and condemn ourselves when things go wrong, when hard times come. The first thing in our mind is, what have I, what have I done wrong? That's the first thing. You can know that the person is suffering from the buried, buried guilt inside of his heart. When the first thing that comes to your mind is, is what have I done? Is it because of my past? You know that widow that got a, that woman that got a child by the prophetic ministry of Elijah. When the child died in First Kings 17, she comes to Elijah. And the words that she utters, have you come to me to bring my sin to remembrance and to kill my son? That's her reaction, and that's many people's reaction when they encounter hard times in their life. The first thing that they think is, what have I done wrong? Is it because of my past? A couple in my church, 
they were dating, they had, you know, they, 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 you know, they sinned when they were dating, got separated, blah, blah, blah. Things went all, now the years, years later, they are experiencing hardships of life, and they come to me, years later, I'm talking about over a decade later, and the first thing the woman says, because they're experiencing this hard time, is it because of what we've done when we were dating? That's how guilt works. What about failures in ministry? What about broken trusts? What what about marriages that fell apart? What about financial mismanagement that brought the hardships into your life? What about mistakes in judgment, in relationships? What about failure in pastoring and pioneering? See, there are a lot of people in our churches that suffer from unnecessary And even demonic condemnation. And that's why it's so important to look into our text again. Because here is the revelation of our text. Because here is Nathan. And and the role of of Nathan is huge. Because in order for such guilt to be removed. One needs to have someone who has authority. Someone who has a power in your life, who can speak words and remove that guilt. Ideally, those people who can do this the best are the ones that actually caused it in the first place. A parent, a mother, a father, a person involved. I am privileged. Before my father died, I heard, you know, he was, he's a, he's a hard Russian man. Russian men are hard. Russian, never marry a Russian man. <laughs> they are tough dudes, man. They, have, they are hardened, you know. And so he was a harsh man. And so never, never, never in my entire life did I hear him say, son, I love you. Never. And you know how important it is. For a child to hear those words from the parent. And so uh, I'm so happy that I heard the, him speak it once in my lifetime. Closer to his death, he got saved and his salvation was genuine. And, and it was a, a true conversion. He changed and in the process, he actually called me once. And he was in a conversation, he was lingering and I felt that something's coming up because that's not normal for him. It was a short conversation to the point by and and he was lingering, he's talking some nonsense and I'm like waiting for this to happen. What's going on? And he says, You know what, son, I, I, I've always wanted to tell you I love you. And he dropped the you know <laughs> And Nick, he couldn't handle anymore. No no emotions, you know. But but I'm so happy because that's a a reference point, a liberating reference point for a son. And so when people have that, you're privileged if someone in authority speaks those words. But often this is not possible for many, many reasons. And that is why uh, why it's so important that a person who has authority in your eyes... Speaks words of forgiveness. In the life of David, it was Nathan. Nathan was present at key moments of his life. We could actually tell you, tell, we could actually say that he's a, a figure of a pastor in David's life. 
He is uh, the one that is a prophet of God and he is a figure of authority in, in his life. This is why I believe David actually could live on because of the words of Nathan that was uttered. And uh, in my text that I read in verse 13, the Lord also has put away your sin. You shall not die. And that's why it is so powerful as I look at this. Such a powerful ministry of a preacher. If you ever wonder why you want to become a preacher, one of the most enjoyable experiences in my life is realization that words that you utter change people's lives. I was preaching in a place recently, uh, Raw Sinners, uh, going through a medical rehabilitation program, alcoholics, drug addicts in a city far north of Russia. Uh, and uh, I'm preaching, so I prayed for this, you know, it's, it's a God moment. I mean, uh, the, the rough sinners, not a church activity, uh, are non-religious people. And I said, Luke 4.18 was my text. And I said, Jesus came to heal the broken hearted and to set at liberty those that are bruised. And the man started, you know, his head went down and he, he started, you know, he's trying to hide that he's, he's weeping. And towards the end of, 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 this, of this service, the, all of them pray his prayer. Then this clinic, I love it, they give me a, a, a room, a, a, an office. And, I, and these people start coming in one by one. Telling me things and, and we're praying for deliverance. This man, he was 13 years old. His, his mom started to become an alcoholic. A father got upset about this, kicked her out and told the son, 13 year old son, do not open the door. If you open the door, I'll, I'll beat you up so bad you won't be able to walk. And so the, the, the wife, the mother is, 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 is knocking on the door from the outside. Then she leaves, then a few days back, she's back. She went all through her friends. Now, you know, she expired all of her possibilities of staying overnight someplace. She doesn't know where to stay overnight. She's basically scratching the door. Son, she says, son, please let me in, let me in. He wants to open the door, but he's afraid of the father. And so, so, so he sees eventually he can't open this door and the door is locked and she has no keys. And so she goes away and she goes to sleep in a park and she dies that night in that park. And this boy, 13 years old, he's now 30 plus years. He is an alcoholic, a drug addict, because for all of these years, 20 plus years, he's condemning himself. What would, what if I opened that door? Right? And so I, can, I, I declare to you, oh, the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That this man can actually experience forgiveness. And the words that you can utter. That's the best part of the pastor's job. Nathan speaks to David. David committed a sin. He just confessed his sin. And he says, the Lord also has put away your sin. You shall not 
die. This is what Jesus actually meant when he said to the disciples, if you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. This is not endorsing Catholic confession, but the fact and the importance of words that make people free in their minds and spiritually. And this is so powerful. What triggered the sermon a few years back was an experience that I had with a guy, young man who used to pioneer and came back for redirection and backslid. And so a few years later, he comes to church and gets saved again. But he's telling me his story that he's suffering from what they call depersonalization syndrome. It's a crazy thing that is happening in our day with people that are tormented with guilt. Uh, it's a feeling of unreal, uh, detached, unable to feel emotion. It's uh, called emotional numbness where many people feel like they're disconnected from even oneself. They, they actually look at themselves from a distance and they don't feel anything. And the world around them is like a movie that they, call, they describe it as, as being part of the movie. And they're watching it rather than actually participating in it, being a part of it. And um, he's he's, uh, sitting, uh, you know, I will never forget this, this powerful experience. He's sitting next to me, or in front of me, across the table. And he's pouring his heart out. He's telling me all of his experience. He he went into sin, you know, he uh, committed all kinds of things and just thrashed his destiny for a while and... Luckily, he was able to salvage his marriage, and now he's sitting in front of me. And he's sharing this with me about this depersonally. He went to, to mental clinic, you know, a couple of times. He's on, was on some medication. And, and it dawned on me, it was a Holy Ghost moment. I looked at him and I said to him, you know, God told me, told me that this man is suffering. He's tried to pioneer. He, you know, he, he, he failed. And because of his failure and all of the things that t- took place, he's feeling this, this, feeling this guilt in his life. And I looked straight into his eyes, and I was able, with all the authority, I said, listen, I speak to you as a pastor, as your pastor. I saw your salvation. I saw you raised up. I married you. I, I prayed for your kids. I, I, I saw you... Being raised up as a disciple, I sent you out, I brought you back. I speak as a figure of authority right now. And I said to him straight in the eye, I said, I do not blame you for anything anymore. Not that I did. But in his mind, he's tormented. Coming back, fail, miserable. And so you should have seen it. You know how kids go and they, you know, when they cry for a long time and then they go, <sighs> that's how he did it. You know, it was, it was physical. He went like this. <sighs> and a few days later, he was able to tell me that he has completely gotten his life back. He said, Pastor, I am delivered. I do not blame you for anything anymore. And this man is in the church. His wife's in the church. He's fruitful again. People are getting saved. Couples. He's got one couple that is tremendous that is in the church. His family's in the church. And God is doing a miracle in his life again. 
Nathan's words. Very powerful. I do not. I do not condemn you. It's interesting that year, uh, one year later, Nathan comes to David. And the Bible says that David comforted Bathsheba, his wife, and went into her and lay uh, uh, with her. So she bore a son and he called his name Solomon. Now the Lord loved him and he sent word by the hand of Nathan the prophet. So he called his name Jediah, Jedidiah, uh, because of the Lord. So Nathan actually, a year later, he comes. I mean, you know, think about it. David sinned, right? He miserably failed in front of the entire Israel and many nations around him. He's suffering the consequences of that. But David and Nathan, Nathan, he still loves him. A year later, he bear, bears a son from that woman, Bathsheba. And guess who is present, you know, at the uh, point of, uh, you know, celebration and consecration and whatever you call it in English. It's Nathan. It's the pastor. He's holding that baby Solomon and says, God is going to bless this. Do you know how important that is for David to see his pastor? You know, I confirm, I acknowledge you are uh, uh, restored, David. It's going to be all right. Things are going to get moving. And the son Solomon, you know how he is a blessed man that grows up to become one of the greatest kings and greatest thinkers and greatest scientists in human history. And Nathan is present, accepting and restoring And it is so powerful. Let's have a test and find out if you sitting here in this place are indeed, is indeed, indeed free from guilt. Let's look at David and let's see. Because David, number one, he was able to keep his spiritual health. He reconnected himself with God. He goes, as soon as he finds out that his son is dead, he goes into the temple to pray. One of the sure signs that a person is, does not experience bouts of guilt is when he is able to restore his relationships with God or keep his relationships with God. If you, have you ever noticed how people go... They do failure, they have a failure, they do something wrong, and then the first thing that starts to suffer is their relationships with God. Right? So, Peter restores his relationships with God. Judas is Iscariot, he never does. He can't handle it. Peter does. People that are free from guilt, they're able to have that spiritual health restored. Number two, he's able to keep his, his physical health. Because the Bible speaks that he washes himself, that he eats, that he clean, cleanses himself up. And I've seen people that guilt works against their physical. They are not able to maintain themselves. They, the yoke of guilt and then they stop taking care of themselves. They start overeating or uh, they start suffering from bulimia. And uh, because of guilt, they cannot uh, uh, keep themselves. I've just went through New York City we spent a few days my wife and I there and I can submit to you the demons in New York City are much louder than the demons in Russia 
These, these people are walking, talking to themselves, screaming at themselves. They're totally, absolutely mad, those people there in the Manhattan Times Square. I mean, I've seen some very clear demonic things taking place there. And the people that are not taking care of themselves, that lose desire to look nice, look decent, it's definitely connected. I've seen it. With guilt and shame that they start cutting themselves. You know this, you know the whole process. They hate themselves, they hate their bodies, they despise their, the way they look. Then number three, he was able to keep his relationships. David did stay with his wife. I don't know how she handled all that tragedy. We would might think that 2,000 years ago, women had different approach to life. And maybe so, but human beings are human beings. And they're all the same through the centuries. And the Bible says that she bore him a son and her, his name was Solomon. And he salvaged his marriage and that's why he was able to salvage his marriage with Bathsheba. Because him and her, they were free from that guilt. And they had future, even after failure. But the most important thing and the most important force that removes condemnation is a supreme judge, the creator of the universe. He obliged himself to act as our intercessor. And he speaks to us in 1 John 2, 2. He says, my little children, these things I write to you so that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. And he himself is the propitiation for our sin and not for our sin only, but also for the whole world. There's a silly story about a boy who threw stones and hit a goose that belonged to his parents. He thought, he thought that his parents didn't notice that one of the 24 geese disappeared. He buried the dead bird. But that evening, his sister came up to him and whispered into his ear, I know what you did. And she whispered and she said, if you don't volunteer to wash the dishes tonight instead of me... I'll tell everybody. The next morning she warned him again. All day a frightened boy was doing housework for his sister. Smart girl. However, the next morning when, the, when, when she started with her routine again, the boy looked at her and surprised her saying that now she is going to wash the dishes herself. She began to whisper the threats to him again, but he interrupted her and said to her, I am not afraid of you. You know why? Because I told my mom everything. And she forgave me. Go wash your dishes. <laughs> you know, the Bible says in Isaiah 38, 17, indeed it was for my own peace that I have had great bitterness. But you have lovingly delivered my soul from the pit of corruption. For you have cast all my sins behind your back. There's a story in my church, uh, well in one of our churches in Russia that took place some time ago. This woman was going completely nuts. She was suicidal. 
She couldn't work a job. She couldn't take care of your of the kids. We didn't know what was taking place. Her father committed suicide. We thought this was connected. Every pastor prayed for her. And uh, we broke every curse possible. They cleaned their house of all idolatry, anything that resembled idolatry over and over again. Nothing is happening. Nothing is getting, you know, this thing done. It's it's still tormenting her uh, to the point where a, a father, her husband had to actually uh, leave work to take care of the children and her. She became completely, she's going nuts. And so... Uh, on when the last attempt, they're trying to make sense of what's happening, and they came over to Vologda, to my church, and required a counsel on the consent of, of their pastor, and uh, she's talking to me, I'm talking to her, I, I pulled every trick possible, I've mentioned everything possible, you know, we checked every box, no, 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 and, and then she's going to leave, uh, and they both stood up to leave, uh, and then we prayed, that's a good thing to do, uh, before we parted our way, I said, let's pray. Father, reveal this. Whatever it is, I pray that you would reveal the hidden things. Reveal it in Jesus' name. And then she stood up. But you could tell her face is different. Something's ha- happening. And she's looking around nervously. She said, Pastor, I do need to talk to you, but I want to talk to you in private. I said, no, no, I, I don't do this. Uh, I, unless we talk with your husband present, we are not going to talk. And then she says something, she says, but he's gonna, he's gonna be, uh, he's not gonna like what he hears. And I said to her, whatever it is, you need to start dealing with this, sister. And so, a long story short, two years ago, from that point, two years back, she uh, committed, uh, she went to a mechanic, Fix her car. And she committed adultery. And two years later, she's having all these physical symptoms, emotional, mental symptoms. And no one knows what's going on because everybody's like, what's going on with this girl? So she confesses this. Her, you know, I mean, I cannot tell you to start to describe what the f- husband felt, how he was, you know, devastated and then we prayed and we broke this curse and I sent the demon of suicide and I commanded him to leave that girl's body and they're driving home. It's about three hour drive. I told them to talk to the pastor and when they get back and so this was Friday or Saturday and then Monday or Tuesday comes and I love this guy. I feel for him. So I decided to make a phone call and I called him. I said, brother, I don't want to, you know, how is it is going? How is it, you know, what's going on? And you know what he told me? He said, Pastor, however devastated I am for what I learned and what came into my life, I can tell you this much. My wife is completely delivered. Just like that. That's why I believe many of these people that are suffering schizophrenia, all kinds of mental diseases. I, I mean, I, I've pastor, pastoring these kind of people because we're dealing with a lot of, re, you know, uh, in, through rehab. In our church, we got a rehab. A lot of drug addicts come through. And I'm telling you right now that all, many, many of the, 
of the substance abusers. The reasons are because of the guilt and shame of what's going on or what happened in their life. But Jesus can help us. Can you say amen? His blood was shed and the Bible says that by his stripes, by his wounds, we receive healing, not only bodily healing, but also healing of the soul and of the mind. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes for just a second. In this place, God is in a business of restoration of the accused by the devil. He is the accuser of the brethren. He accuses brothers and sisters. People live under condemnation in their life. Things happen. The Bible speaks about the effects of guilt on the body, on the physical and emotional, spiritual. And God is dealing with lies. Right now, before we open these altars, maybe you are here in this place and you are uh, not uh, uh, saved. By this, I mean that if you would stand before God tonight, that you know that you know that you know that your sins are not forgiven and you need to be completely aware and sure of your salvation. There has to come a time of assurance of your salvation. No doubt, I make heaven my home. I am forgiven. God has cleansed me from all unrighteousness. If you are not sure about this, if this is not your case, you need to come to Christ and repent of your sin and ask God to forgive you and cleanse you. Maybe you're backslidden. Maybe it's in your heart. Maybe no one knows. But God is dealing with you unsaved, backslidden. Anyone in this place, young person, I uh, raised up in church, but God is dealing with your life. Do you know Jesus personally? Anyone in this place, if you need this prayer, I'm more than willing. It will be my privilege to pray with you. Lift up your hand wherever you're sitting right now. The end of your torment, your torment is over. Jesus is coming to save you, to cleanse you of all unrighteousness. Anybody in this place, front to back, left to right, God's dealing with lives. God's dealing with lives. Anyone unsaved, backslidden in your heart. I want to change the order of this service. God is dealing with lives. And uh, God is touching your heart specifically in the area that you are looking back in your life. Maybe it's not something that you have done, but by the Holy Ghost of God, He's reaching down into your life. He's reaching into your youth, into your childhood. The words that were uttered, the things that have taken place. I just had a man uh, confess that he even forgotten this, but he, when he was a young man, uh, his father, when he was drunk, his own father molested him. Years later, this man is suffering from homosexual inclinations. He's trying to live a decent life, but he's unable. Unable because the, 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 the circle of life is broken. And God is touching your life right now. The words that had power. 
And if you're here in this place, I uh, submit to you that you need to come to Christ and take action against that guilt, against that condemnation. And the words of God, the words of Jesus Christ, I do not condemn you anymore. And this is what Nathan spoke and pronounced into David's life. That's why David was able to raise up from that occasion, from that sin, from that horrible consequence. He spoke those words, the Lord has put away your sin, you shall not die. Let's open these altars. If God dealt with you, let's all stand to our feet. And we're going to pray right now. We are going to pray and we're going to believe God for physical healing as well. uh, Connected to this as well. God is touching hearts. I'm believing God. I'm believing God for physical healing, a long-standing sickness, long-standing pain in your in your um, body. Father, right now, touch hearts. Uh, move and meet with us tonight. I pray for the Holy Ghost of God. I pray for your church for deliverance and uh, liberty. God, I pray. You came to establish lives back from ashes. God, I pray you come to salvage and the lost and uh, the bruised, God, and uh, the heartbroken. You came to restore. And I pronounce restoration and healing. And uh, I pronounce deliverance in this body, God. I pray Father, in Jesus' name, in the name of Jesus, oh, the cross of Calvary, oh, the propitiation of sin, touch hearts, God, in deliverance. Oh, Riyalemashikyaremasadaya. Pray, church, let's get a hold of God. Oh, move upon us. We are Pentecostals. Deliver us, God, and salvage our lives, and marriages will be salvaged. Oh, the hidden thoughts of the heart. Oh,